Well, good evening, boys and girls. It's good to be with you tonight. Uh, this evening, in my message, I'm going to be looking at a number of stories. And uh, so one of those stories that I want to start with, I'm just going to tell the story to you first. Uh, you may have heard this story. You may not. Uh, this happened when uh, the, uh, there was war between Israel and Syria. The king of Syria wanted, wanted to go to war with, uh, with Israel. And so they had, uh, they had a, war, a war council, and they decided this was Syria, and the king of Syria and, the, and his uh, army men, uh, they decided they're going to go down to a certain place and they're going to camp there and then they're going to fight the, the Israelites and they hope they could take them by surprise. Well, uh, Elisha heard that. How he heard it, I don't know. God told him. God told him where they were going to go. So he went and told the king of Israel. Uh, don't go over there because the king of Syria is going to be there. Uh, and so he didn't. And uh, the king of Syria didn't know what happened. And this happened time and time again. It, was, it says that uh, it's not, not once nor twice. So that means that it happened an, uh, quite a number of times. And finally, the king of Syria was getting very upset. What would you think? If you made plans and uh, it didn't work, the king of Israel went somewhere else. You would think somebody is telling him what's going on. Somebody in our group, that was in all of his generals, were there making plans. And, and so one day, uh, <clears throat> it says the, the king of Syria was sore troubled about this thing. And uh, he called his men together and says, Will you show me? Which one of us here, uh, which one of us is for the king of Israel? So he thought somebody in, in that war council was telling the king of Israel what was happening. Uh, and one man piped up and said, none of us, none of us are for the king of Israel. Uh, but Elisha the prophet, he tells the king of Israel what you're saying in your bedroom. Uh, well, that's pretty interesting, isn't it? Uh, so the king of Syria said, where does he live? And so somebody said, he lives in Dothan. They said, go get him. And so he sent a whole uh, a whole. Uh, big group of horses and chariots and uh, army down there. A big, it said, a, a great army. And uh, they came down to Dothan at night and they surrounded the city. They were all the way around it. And uh, the next morning, Elisha's servant woke up and went outside and he saw horses and chariots all the way around the city. They were surrounded. There was no way to get out. 
And he said to, to Elisha, uh, he said, Master, w what are we going to do? And Elisha said, uh, don't be afraid. There are more with us than there are with them. And then he prayed, and he said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of his servant, and he saw, it says, uh, he saw the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all the way around the city. And uh, so he, they, Elisha just said, don't worry, there's more with us than there are with them. Finally, the men came, the, the army came down and uh, Elisha prayed to God and said, uh, make these people blind. And all of a sudden, the whole army went blind. They couldn't see. And he went out to him and said, uh, this is not the way you want to go. Uh, here, I'll show you how to get there. And so he took them down to Samaria, where the king of Israel was, and he led them into the middle of the city. Uh, and that city had gates all the way around it. And then he prayed, Lord, open their eyes. And suddenly they opened their eyes and they were in the midst of the city uh, of the enemy. They were, at, they were at the mercy of the Israelites. And the king of Israel said, what shall I do? Shall, shall I kill them? And he said, no. He said, you give them something to eat and send them home. But the, the message I want you to remember is there are more with us than there are with them. God is much greater than anything that we can encounter here. Uh, and so take that lesson with you. You can go back to your parents. Well, good evening to the rest of you. Uh, it's, I consider it a privilege to be here with you this week. Uh, I have been looking forward to, uh, to this week, and I trust that as we look into the Word of God that uh, we can be strengthened and uh, encouraged and uh, that we can deal with some of the things that that hinder us. That's what revival is all about. Uh, before we go any further, uh, could we sing number 495? I'd like to use this song as a kind of a theme song this, uh, this week. I've titled my message this evening, Lord, Open Our Eyes. If God is going to bring revival to this church, to this congregation, it needs to begin in the heart of each one. Uh, 
we need to open our eyes to spiritual reality, the spiritual realities of life that we live in. You know, this world is so physical. Uh, we, we need to eat. We need to drink. We need to do it on a regular basis. We need houses to live in, clothes to wear. We need vehicles to get around in. Uh, and in order to pay for all this, we need to work. And we need to work some more. And uh, life is so physical, it's hard to maintain an awareness of the spiritual realities of life. And I think we need God to open our eyes to what is going on in our lives uh, that may blind us to what is happening spiritually. And our response to what we see when God opens our eyes uh, will determine our eternal, eternal destiny. This story of Elisha is one of four that I want to look at tonight. Uh, in each of these st uh, stories, uh, God opened the eyes of individuals in order for them to see God at work. Uh, let's consider the story of Elisha here uh, from 2 Kings 6. Why was the king of, of uh, Syria after Elisha? Because Elisha foiled his attempts to take the armies of Israel. God told him what was going on and he reported it to the king of Israel. Time and time again, it, was, it seemed as though someone was telling uh, the Israelites what was, someone from Syria was telling them. Uh, you know, I, I find it really amusing that uh, the king of Syria wasn't thinking very far when he sent his armies to Dothan to capture Elisha. If Elisha heard what was going, uh, what was happening uh, in their war councils, why, why didn't he know they were coming? Well, we know that God didn't choose to, uh, to tell Elisha that he was coming. Uh, but they just woke up one morning and they were surrounded by the armies of Syria. And I think we would have all cried out, as the servant did, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Elisha answered, fear not. Fear not, for they that are with us are more than they that are with the enemy. And then he prayed that God would open the eyes of his servant. And God did so. And what did he see? He saw spiritual reality. The reality was they were not alone. There were more that were with them than were with the Syrian army. Uh, God, was, God was at work. That put the, conf the, the, the context of the conflict between Syria and Israel in an entirely different light. Instead of the conflict between being between the king of Syria and the king of Israel, it was between the forces of Satan and the forces uh, and God Himself. And brothers and sisters, we need that awareness at all times that this is not between me and my antagonist, uh, or you know the things that I'm struggling with. It's a spiritual battle. 
uh, Satan is at work. Uh, and he is trying to destroy what God has begun. And so if, if revival is going to take place, we need to come to an awareness of the spiritual nature of our struggle to live for Jesus. Because that is what it is. Uh, we can't do it on our own. We, in our struggle with sin, we need to be aware that Satan is doing all he can to destroy the work that God has begun in our hearts. I don't claim to have, have this nailed down. Uh, this is something that we, we learn over and over and over again. Uh, the again, the world is so physical that we need God to open our eyes to spiritual realities. If we attempt to deal with our problems on our own strength, we will find ourselves, as the king of Syria did, blinded and inside the gates of our enemy and at his mercy, because Satan is much greater than we are. But as we recognize the, the reality of God's presence and his sustaining power, we can find the victory. I love the calmness that uh, Elisha displayed there. Uh, you know, Lord, open his eyes. Don't, don't be afraid. And then, Lord, open his eyes. He was well aware of, of what was going on. And so I think that that needs to be... Uh, the, we all need that ability to see the spiritual reality of each situation that we encounter. Uh, and the understanding of this will help us to live in victory and will help us to uh, cooperate with God to advance his kingdom here on earth. The, the second story that I'd like to look at uh, is taken from Genesis chapter 21. This is the first time we read of God opening someone's eyes. Now, you know, Adam and Eve's eyes were opened after they took that forbidden fruit, uh, but that's not, uh, that's not what we're looking at tonight. God specifically opened the eyes uh, of these individuals. Uh, in Genesis chapter 21, we ha have here the story of uh, Abraham being instructed to, uh, to cast out Hagar and Ishmael. Now, if you remember, uh, God had told Abraham that he was going to send, give him a son. And it was, and through him, all the through that son, all the nations of the world would be blessed. And uh, Abraham was anticipating that, but time uh, went that just got longer and longer, and they waited and they waited and they waited. Uh, I think it was about 15 years. And finally, his wife said, uh, "Why don't you take my handmaid?" Now that was not uncommon at that time. It was not forbidden. Uh, why don't you take my handmaid as, uh, as your wife 
and raise up children. And so Abraham listened to her, and Ishmael was born. Uh, we know the story that God said, no, this is not the, the son of promise that is coming. Uh, you will have a son. And it was another uh, 10 years, I think, until Isaac was born. Well, in Genesis 21 here, we have the story. Uh, I'm going to begin reading. Uh, uh, why don't I begin reading at verse, verse 1. Uh, Genesis 21, verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare uh, Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son which was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so that all will... All that here will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah would have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said unto Abraham, Let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. In all that Sarah has said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also of the son of that bondwoman will I make a nation, because he is thy seed. Okay, the story continues then. That uh, So the next day, Abraham took some food and some water and laid it on Hagar's uh, back and said, go. They were living in the very south of Israel, and below them was wilderness, was desert. Where was there to go? She wandered in the desert until the food and the water was gone. And uh, they were thirsty. They were hungry. Death was approaching. And she couldn't bear to see her son uh, die. And so it says she put him under a bush. Uh, and she went over a ways. Uh, verse 15, The water was spent in the bottle, and she cast the child under one of the shrubs, and she went and sat down over against him a good way off, as it were a bowshot. For she said, Let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad, and the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven, and said unto her, What aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him in thine hand, for I will make him a great nation. 
And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink. And God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. And he dwelt in the, art, the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife out of the land of Egypt. It says God opened her eyes, and what did she see? It was God's miraculous provision, a well of water in the desert. Uh, and you know, in our most desperate moments, we need God to open our eyes uh, to his miraculous provision. It may be physical. Uh, it may be spiritual. But God will provide for his people. We don't think of, of Hagar as a particularly spiritual woman. And we know the conf that the conflict uh, between the descendants of Ishmael and the descendants of Isaac continues to this day. That's what the Palestinians' uh, conflict is all about. Uh, for God to open the eyes of Hagar to his provision indicates his love for all mankind and his willingness to provide uh, for all who come to him. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He has provided for our spiritual needs in the miraculous resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He also provides for our physical needs many times and in many ways as we come to him in prayer. And you know, God never allows us to go through difficult times out of sheer spite. Uh, it is always for our good. Many times it's to get our attention. Uh, when everything is going well and life is good, it's easy to forget God. But when we cry out to God in times of desperation, he answered. And God opened Hagar's eyes to see his miraculous provision. Now I'd like to go to Numbers chapter 22. The background here is uh, the Israelites were approaching the promised land and they began getting opposition almost immediately. In chapter 21, uh, verse 1, we have the, uh, uh, I should say, back up. Uh, previous to chapter 21, we have King Arad of the Canaanites came out against them. They have Zion, king of the Amorites, uh, the Amorites of Jazar, Og, king of Bashan. These all came out and, and tried to... Uh, tried to destroy the Israelites. Finally, they were camped on the plains of Moab across the river from Jericho. And they were, the Moabite territory would have been right to the east of them. And uh, the king of Moab was, uh, became very concerned. He, he was determined to deal with these Israelites. And so, uh, he called Balaam. Now, we don't know a lot, a lot about this guy, but we, we do know that he prayed to God, and God spoke to him. Uh, but uh, in uh, 
Numbers 22, uh, Balak, king of uh, the Moabites, sent messengers to Balaam, and he said, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Come now, therefore, I pray thee, curse me, this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail, that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For I, I wot that he whom thou blessest is blessed, and he whom thou cursest is cursed. Now, remember that. He knew that whoever Balaam blessed was going to be blessed, and whoever Balaam cursed was going to be cursed. And so there was something to this man. Uh, so he sent men, and they came and gave the request, and, and uh, he said, well, you stay here tonight, and I'll bring your word, I'll bring you, you word tomorrow. Uh, as the Lord says to me. Uh, and so they spent the night there. And you know what? Uh, Balaam didn't even have time to make the request. Uh, God came to Balaam and said, who are these men? Who are these men that are with you? And Bala uh, Balaam said to God, well, this is Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, sent them. And uh, he's, he wants me to curse them so that he can uh, drive them out. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. Uh, and so Balak, uh, Balaam rose the next morning, and he said to the men, uh, Go back to your land. The Lord refuses uh, to give me, uh, to allow me to go with you. So they left. They went back, and they told uh, Balak what what Balaam said. And well, that didn't please, suit him very well. And so he sent more men and uh, more important men and more more goods and more money. And they came back again. Uh, this time they. He told, they told Balaam, he said, I will promote thee unto very great honor, and I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come, therefore, I pray thee, and curse me this people. Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Now, therefore, I pray you, Tarry he, you here this night, that I may know what the Lord will say unto me more. Again, Balaam didn't have time to didn't have time. Yeah, didn't have time to bring the request. God came to him again uh, and said, "If the men came come to call thee, get up, go with them." Yet the word which I shall say unto thee, that shalt thou do. Now, the next morning, we know that, that Balaam got up and he went with them. And it says God's anger was kindled. And uh, the angel of the Lord 
appeared and stood in the way as an adversary against him. And the first appearance was uh, uh, on, the, on the path, and the donkey that he was riding just went over into the field, and uh, it, it made him angry, so he, he beat the donkey. Uh, well, the, uh, the second appearance, he went to a place where there were walls on both sides. There were vineyards, and there were walls. It was a narrow place. And the donkey uh, crowded against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot. And again, he beat him. The third time, the, uh, the angel went with his sword and uh, went to a narrow path where there was nowhere to go. And when the donkey got there, it said he just laid down. And just, oh, he was furious. He beat him. And we, we read that the, uh, the donkey talked. In verse 28, And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and he said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee that thou smitest me these three times? And you know what? Balaam was so angry, he answered the donkey. Uh, if that doesn't get your attention, you're pretty thick-headed. But he was so angry, he, he answered the donkey, and the donkey backed him in a corner. Uh, and then we read that God opened his eyes. And what did he see? We have it in verse one, verse 31. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And he bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. Uh, Balaam answered to the angel, I have sinned, for I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displease thee, I will get me back again. Uh, and God said, no, you go, but you only say what I say. And to Balaam's credit, that we read, follow through, that is exactly what he did. Uh, Balaam promised him great things, but I think it was three or four times Balaam blessed the nation of Israel. And finally, Balak, just in frustration, turned around and went home. Now, as we read the rest of the story here in Numbers 22, 23, 24, uh, we might conclude that, that Balaam was a man that was drawn away uh, by his own lust. But when he was confronted, confronted by God, he repented and obeyed exactly what God told him to do. And that's what it would appear like. His response was thorough. Uh, chapter 24, verse 10, And Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam, and he smote his hands together. And Balak said unto Balaam, I called thee to curse mine enemies, and behold, thou hast blessed them these three times. One would have expected that Balaam would have joined himself to the Israelite, Israelites after God spoke so dramatically about, through him about them. But we find otherwise as we look at where we find Balaam in latter times. Uh, immediately after the account in uh, chapter 25, 
after the account, immediately after the account of Balaam, in chapter 25, we find where the men of Israel uh, became immorally involved with the women of Moab. The women invited the men to the sacrifice to their gods, and they went and worshipped the gods of the Amorite, uh, Moabites. And as a result, God sent a plague uh, into the camp of the Israelites, and 24,000 people died. Balaam recognized that his very life depended on his obedience to God's command to bless Israel. But his heart was with the Moabites. With the Moabites. He must have counseled them to seduce the men of Israel and in that way cause them to be defeated. In 2 Peter 2.15 we read, Cursed children, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Now let's go back here to where God opened Balaam's eyes. What did he see? Again, he saw the angel of the Lord there standing in front of him, uh, ready to kill him because he knew what God said the first time, and he went anyway. He was brought face to face with his own sinfulness and his own self-deception. God made it very clear to Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them. Uh, thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. And he went anyway. And you know, we are so often like Balaam. Uh, the things that this world offers are so very appealing. Uh, we may understand what God said is about them. His word is plain. But when we go back to see what more God has to say about a matter, we are opening ourselves up for deception. When we question whether God really meant what he said, we are in a dangerous position. It is the mercies of God when we are, our eyes are open to our own deception. Uh, and I just want you to understand that, that the conviction, God's Holy Spirit's conviction is a blessing because it helps us to understand where we are at. The fourth passage that I would like to look at is Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, I'd like to begin reading at verse 13. This is after the resurrection of Jesus. And behold, two of them went, went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk, and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass here in these days? And he said unto him, What things? 
And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. And yea, certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. When they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher, and found it even as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? Consider with me uh, the experiences of the disciples of Jesus. There was something about Jesus that drew them to him. Obviously his miracles were a huge attraction. No one had ever done anything close to what he had done. Then his apparent love for all the people must have been a, a big drawing point. His teaching provided answers in ways that the, the rulers, uh, the religious leaders of the day, were not able to do. He'd made God known to them like never before. But yet he was a man. Uh, Sure, yeah, he claimed to be the Son of God, uh, but how could they know? How could they know? Then the religious leaders caught him, uh, tried him before Pilate, and crucified him. They saw him die. Uh, they saw where he was buried, and it brought an end to their hopes and dreams of salvation and restoration. Yes, there were those reports, but it seemed too far-fetched to be credible. But as they walked there on the road, and he opened the scriptures to them of all that the prophets had foretold, uh, their hearts were again stirred. And then there at supper table, their eyes were opened, and they saw the risen Lord. Suddenly, they understood who he was because he had power to overcome death. Uh, he had the power to forgive sins and to cleanse from all unrighteousness. He was alive and he walked with them by the way. And you know, so often the harsh reality of physical life here on earth blinds us, uh, blinds our eyes and our hearts to the reality of the risen Lord. We need God to open our eyes 
so that we can see our Lord and allow him to live and work in our, uh, in our lives. I'd like if you could stand with me now as I close this message with a prayer. Our Heavenly Father, open our eyes as well. Help us to understand spiritual realities as Elisha and his servant did there so long ago. Help us to understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Help us to see the miraculous provision that you provide uh, as Hagar and Ishmael did there in in the wilderness when they were in such dire circumstances. Help us to understand that it is for all people everywhere. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Lord, open our eyes to our own spiritual deception. Help us to be aware of the temptation to come back to you for further light when you've already spoken so clearly. Help us to understand the lure of earthly treasure and honor. Lord, help us to see our risen Lord and the glorious salvation that he has made available to all people. Father, in this series of meetings, open our eyes. Help us to understand where we are at in our relationship with you. Open our eyes to where we have been deceived by Satan. Give us a vision of our risen Lord. Again, Lord, open our eyes. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to encourage each of you to open yourselves before God this week. Each of us are at a different place in our walk with God. Uh, and, uh, and so God is going to deal in different areas for each individual person. But we need to be willing for him to open our eyes. Uh, and as you open yourself before him, he will meet the, the needs of our heart. May the Lord bless you. I'm not going to ask for an invitation tonight, but come praying tomorrow night. Uh, In the opening, I'd like to, uh, instead of children's meeting, I'm going to be looking at several of the names of God this week from the Old Testament. It has helped me uh, as I read the Old Testament uh, to understand it better. So may the Lord bless you. Joe.